the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dear friends in Christ, there's a story of a senior citizen who was driving down the highway one day when his cell phone rang through his Bluetooth audio car system. And he pushed the button and answered the phone, and it was his wife. And the elderly man's wife urgently warned him, saying, I just heard on the news that there's a car going down the wrong way on the Highway 401. And I know you're on that road, so be safe as you come home. And the elderly man replied to his wife, Honey, you won't believe it. It's not just one car. It's hundreds of cars like that. (laughs) The reality is that there's two kinds of people in the world. Those who are going with the flow of traffic and those who are going against the flow. Now, obviously, when we're talking about actual driving on real highways, we know that you have to obey the laws and follow the proper driving directions. But if we use driving and also the flow of traffic as a metaphor, we realize that Christians have a challenging calling. We're called to live and walk in God's ways and move with God's flow. And that puts us against the prevailing traffic of this world. And we find ourselves in the same predicament as that senior citizen found himself, driving against the flow of traffic. In our text from Philippians, Paul points out that there's really two kinds of people. There are those who have their eyes on this world and its pleasures, and they live according to that. And in contrast to them, There are those who have their eyes on heaven and its ways, and they live according to that. Paul puts it in terms of where a person's citizenship is. And when our primary citizenship is in this world, then our eyes, our minds, and our hearts are focused on worldly things. But when our primary citizenship is in heaven, then our eyes, our minds, and our hearts, they're focused on spiritual things. Let's see how Paul develops these truths in our text for today. And he begins by a section of scripture with a bold directive. Follow my example, he says. Join with others in following my example, brothers and sisters, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Now Paul had similar types of words and other letters that he wrote too. To the Thessalonians, he says, For you yourselves know how you ought to, Follow our example. And he says to them too, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And to the Corinthians he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So why did Paul direct other people to follow that example? Was it because he was conceited and he enjoyed having people follow him? No. It was because he was concerned for others And he was doing his best to be a good example for others to follow. Most people would rather be followers rather than leaders, right? And so people are looking for someone they can imitate. 
Paul wanted to know that others should intentionally try to follow him. And so he can be that best example so that they could follow in the same ways. You know, most of us would be uncomfortable making a statement like Paul's, and we would rather say, do as I say and not as I do. Or follow my example only at certain times, and when I tell you when those times are. Over the years, we've heard many high-profile athletes say, I don't want to be a role model for others. Don't follow my example. But unfortunately, others are going to follow our example whether we like it or not, whether we're aware of it or not. So it's best that we strive to have the kind of life before God that is a good example at all times. All Christians should be the best example that we can be. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, they need us to be a good example. Our children need us to be a good example. Our neighbors, classmates, co-workers, they need us to be a good example. Later in our text, we'll see that Paul shared more about a good example that has the right focus. But before he did that, he described some people who were very poor examples, And he was so upset about these people and the way they were living and the damage of their example that he says he writes these things with tears. Paul says, For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is in their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Paul describes them in general, saying their mind's on earthly things. And for these individuals, their whole focus and orientation are on the things of this world. And so Paul is saying, don't be like these individuals. Don't follow their example, for their destiny is destruction. And in contrast to these individuals, there's a whole group of people who live on earth and are citizens of heaven. That's what Paul says in that next verse. Philippi, being a Roman colony, it was really a Rome away from Rome. There was a great sense of pride in their Roman citizenship. And in Philippi, they followed the Roman law, the Roman customs, the Roman language, culture, and even dress. And building on that concept of citizenship, Paul is saying in so many words, just as the Roman citizen never forgets they belong to Rome, You must never forget that you belong as citizens of heaven. And your conduct must match that of your citizenship. Let's think a moment for how different earthly or even American citizenship is from heavenly citizenship. How different is earthly language compared to heavenly language? How different are earthly laws and heavenly laws? How different are earthly leaders and heavenly leaders? When we make those comparisons, it becomes obvious that they are truly worlds apart. Yet we're called to live on earth, even as we're molded and we're directed by heaven. It must be obvious to everyone around us that true citizenship in heaven and the way we live is one that says, the world's not my home. Or as we just sang, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. 
Paul goes on to say in this section of verses to remind us of the wonders of our heavenly citizenship. He wrote, And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. First of all, we notice the wonder of the sure return of Jesus Christ. As the apostles stood looking in the sky at that ascension of Jesus, an angel says to them, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And in John 14, when Jesus tells of preparing a place for his disciples in his Father's heavenly mansion, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Even the Apostle Peter says, the day of the Lord will come. And for those who like to read the last page of any book or novel, if you go to the final verses of the final book in the New Testament, he who testifies to these things, who is Christ, says, yes, I am coming soon. And as a result, we say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. For the Christian, as a citizen of heaven, the promise of his coming is not some kind of sense of dread or apprehension, but it's a spirit of joyful anticipation for us. The sure return of Jesus supports our confidence and hope as being disciples of Christ and citizens of heaven. Secondly, we notice another wonder of heavenly citizenship, and that's the limitless resources of our Lord. We know that even as we wait for Jesus, he has the power to bring everything under his control. And while Jesus was on earth in his ministry, he regularly demonstrated that power over everything as he healed the sick and had cast out demons, raised people from the dead, and even was able to stop the wind and the waves of nature. How wonderful it is for us to know that the one that we belong to, the one who rules over our heavenly citizenship, that he has the power to hold all things together and do anything that needs to be done. Peter, in his second letter, he reminds us about this, saying that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Our heavenly citizenship certainly guarantees sufficient resources of every spiritual thing. Finally, we notice that there is another wonder of heavenly citizenship, and that is the confidence of the resurrection. Paul may have been speaking to those who had doubts regarding the difficulties regarding the resurrection body, so he goes through an extensive discourse on this in 1 Corinthians 15. And I encourage you to spend some quiet time and read through that chapter sometime. This is not something that we need to fear or doubt or worry about because our God has the power to do what he has promised. And that is to transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, I don't have the knowledge to explain all the things there is to know about the resurrection body. So I'd rather go with the simple words that John shares with us in his first letter. 
when he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. How wonderful and really hopeful it is for us to know that our lowly bodies, with their frailties and limitations, pain and death and even being prone to sin, will be raised to glory and to immortality. We shall be like him. In view of what we are and what we know, let's ask ourselves some questions. First of all, which citizenship is influencing us the most? Our earthly one or our heavenly one? And second, whose example are we following today? We all need mentors and models and heroes, people who are farther along in that spiritual journey who can keep us pointed to the Lord. Do our goals, our hopes, and our values really reflect the higher order of things to which we're called? The Apostle Paul was a citizen of heaven even while he was living on earth. And Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, giving them a nice summary of the things that we've been talking about in this sermon. He says to them, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Our home is where God is. And God chooses to come and make a home with us forever. And our true citizenship is in the coming kingdom of God. And our mission now is to extend the life of that kingdom on earth until our King Jesus returns to take over. You see, it's all about God's kingdom coming. And we are citizens of that kingdom. Baptism is the stamp which we citizens carry to demonstrate our true citizenship, to identify who we are. And as a citizen of the kingdom leaves a mark on the world, we do that wherever we go, extending the life of the kingdom to every place and to everyone who we meet. Our citizenship is in heaven, but our current home and our work is here on earth. From heaven we are expecting a Savior who will transform us and the world. He is coming to dwell with us and to make all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.